Welcome to the Experts Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. Larry Bush is an infectious disease specialist in Palm Beach County, Florida. He very kindly agreed to talk to us about some of the issues related to the recent reappearance of measles in this country and elsewhere. Dr. Bush, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Happy to be here. Before we get started, if people have questions as they hear Dr. Bush, we suggest you speak to your own physicians or at least begin by visiting such sites as the CDC.gov. It's very important that when you go to the Internet, you should be very careful about the source of your data. I suspect many people thought measles was gone. Was it that it was under such good control that it was no longer considered as serious a medical problem? Had we become too comfortable or too lax with the lack of the disease? What brought it back? What actually brought it back is that the initial vaccination, which was a one-dose series for children, was felt to have lifelong protection. A few decades back now, come realized that that probably was not true, and therefore a second dose was recommended for children. And then, of course, adults who had never had natural measles or a vaccination series were recommended to have two doses. So what brought it back was first the lack of lifelong protection from the initial dose requiring now the second dose. And then, of course, there's always been a group of people culturally or religiously in the country who have refused to vaccinate their children. And when you couple that with global travel and the fact that there's a large portion of the population in the world who never get a measles vaccination series, it brings the disease back to the United States. Is measles an annoying viral infection or can it really rise to the level of being fatal? Well, that's interesting. If you look at the childhood exanthems, measles, or, or rubiola, as it's scientifically called, is listed as number one. German measles would be number three. But when you look at the measles disease early on, it was an annoying respiratory infection, but it does have a mortality rate from pneumonia. It can cause encephalitis, and it can cause an unusual encephalitis uh, that could occur way after you've had the disease itself. So it can be fatal, and it's very contagious. The first measles vaccines came out in, I think, the early 1960s, I think 1963. It's been revised several times over the years. If you could walk us through, please, what is a vaccine? What's in it? What does it do? When we look at immunity, we look at active and passive immunity. People who were born before 1957 are felt to have been exposed to measles, and therefore they would have their own active immunity, meaning they would develop antibodies from having naturally acquired disease. Passive immunity is either making you make antibodies by exposing you to the organism or virus or a part of the organism we call an antigen itself, or by giving you antibodies, infusing antibodies in you, and that's called immune globulin. So a vaccine in this case is a virus. You're actually taking the measles virus, you're attenuating it, meaning it's not killed, but it's no longer virulent, and you inject it. And over or some weeks, your body will produce an immune reaction and give you lifelong antibodies. It's been revised in that the early measles vaccine was not a live vaccine and it wasn't as effective. And in fact, some people developed measles after that 1963 initial vaccination series, and they developed what was called atypical measles because they had partial protection but not total protection. The live measles vaccine followed a few years later, and since that time, since there's so many vaccines being given to children, it's been combined in MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella. And after that, the varicella, or chickenpox vaccines, actually combined with it now also. 
if I'm being too simplistic, please correct me. But what we're doing is in a very careful, metered manner, causing the body to have, shall we say, a very mild case of measles. And so we're just inducing our own immunity. Exactly. We're inducing our own immunity by giving you an attenuated virus, meaning the virus itself, usually in most immunocompetent healthy hosts or healthy people, will not produce the measles disease, but it allows your immune system to recognize it and produce antibodies. So to slip in under the back door, so to speak. Exactly. But now compare that, please, because you said that some of the early vaccines lost their protection. People need to get a flu shot every year. Why does the flu shot only last one year and a measles vaccination lasts hopefully for life? That's a good question. The difference with the flu vaccine or most influenza vaccines are killed vaccines. There are some live ones, but those are the inhaled ones, mostly given to young adults and children. The killed flu vaccine does not produce the same immunity as an attenuated live vaccine, like a measles vaccine or a German measles or a mumps or a chickenpox vaccine. The other part is is that the measles virus does not change. It does not mutate. It does not change in what we call a drift or a shift. It's the same virus throughout the world, whereas there are several different strains of influenza virus. And what the CDC and the World Health Organization tries to predict each year is which particular strains of influenza virus will be circulating in parts of the world and those are the particular strains of this killed vaccine or this killed virus that are produced. And, and as you may have read, unfortunately, this year their prediction was off, and the influenza epidemic that's going on this year, at least in the United States, is not well covered by the strains that were produced in the vaccine aimed for this year. Interesting. We also hear very frequently the term herd immunity. I think it refers to it that there is a certain percentage of the population that needs to be vaccinated for the entire population to be relatively safe. Can you comment a little bit about what herd immunity is? The concept of herd immunity means that for you to get measles, for instance, you need to be exposed to somebody who has measles. It spreads via the respiratory route. So the more people who you're exposed to who are immune and therefore cannot get measles and therefore cannot spread to you basically decreases your particular chance of getting measles because there are less people you can be exposed to with active measles. And that's crucial. That even pertains to the recent Ebola epidemic that we have seen in Western Africa in that studies have shown that there's quite a few people who get exposed to Ebola and do not become sick, but they develop antibodies. So the herd immunity really means that as you get exposed to a virus and you don't get sick and you have antibodies, less people who are exposed to these people now will get the disease. I remember reading when I was in medical school that a lot of kids had measles as youngsters under the age of 15. And the number that sticks in my head is that about 90% of people under the age of 15 were, um, were self immunized by having measles themselves. That would leave 10% open. Do we really need to vaccinate everybody? Because the 90% seems like it's pretty close already up there to herd immunity. It does make sense, except it is felt since the measles vaccine was developed in the early 1960s, it's felt that everybody born before 1957 likely is immune because of having had natural measles. The problem after that is, is that if you don't vaccinate all the children afterwards, they don't have any chance to have herd immunity because they're not, they're not exposed to anybody with measles. And then if you have people enter in the country 
who are carrying measles, who are ill, now you start to infect the children who have not had vaccines, who have had inadequate vaccines, meaning not a second dose. So there's no chance for herd immunity if the virus is now introduced in this country, because all those born after 1957 who have not had a vaccine are vulnerable to becoming ill. Interesting, interesting, interesting. I remember one of the national news organizations many years came on and said that the World Health Organization and the CDC said that measles is no longer a problem. It sounded like we eradicated it, but what you're saying, it's not eradicated, it's controlled. Is control a better word? Yes, it's controlled. There have been measles cases in the United States every year. It's just that in the last few years, it's really rising, the amount of cases, and for two reasons. Parents are refusing to vaccinate their children, therefore they're exposed, and global travel introduces it because there are large parts of the world where measles is still epidemic, where vaccines are not routinely given. And those people have arrived here, particularly college students. That's been common occurrence. Is it true that measles is a disease only of human beings, that animals do not get it? That's correct. Measles can only be transmitted from human to human, largely through the respiratory tract, although it can land on a surface and you can enter it into your respiratory system by touching it, but it's not that long lived on a surface. It seems to carry with it the notion that it's mostly a disease of kids. Can adults get it? Oh, absolutely. Adults who are not immune can get it. And in fact, the latest 2015 American College of Physicians vaccine guidelines recommend that any adult who was born after 1957 who has not been immunized receive two doses of measles vaccine, assuming that their immune system is competent. In other words, they don't have diseases like lymphoma or active HIV or things like that. It raises an interesting question, at least in my mind. You as an infectious disease physician, what do you say to a person who is questioning to use or not use one of the vaccines? I basically say that I've had all these vaccines. And if you just take influenza vaccine, for an example, people say, should I get it? I say, well, the best answer I can give you is I get it as soon as it comes out each year. If you look at the history of infectious diseases, everybody thinks that antibiotics were really the magic bullet. But the, the most important thing in infectious diseases have been sanitation and vaccination. And vaccination over the years, if you look at diseases like smallpox or polio, measles, and now chickenpox, the pneumococcal vaccine, there's a new one out, have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. In 1918, in the Spanish influenza epidemic, nearly 100 million people died for three reasons. There were no vaccines. There were no antibiotics to treat secondary bacterial infections. And most of them die of respiratory failure, and there were no mechanical ventilators. That's all changed. There's something called the Healthy 2020, which is the World Health Organization's estimate of how many people should be vaccinated against several diseases, both bacterial, like pneumococcal pneumonia, and viruses, like measles and influenza. Their, their goal is 90%. We're way under 50% in the year 2015. And the strongest influence that a patient has in receiving a vaccine is their physician recommending it and discussing with them at every opportunity. How safe are the vaccines? That seems to be a recurrent issue. For a while, there was concern of its association with autism. That has been put aside. How safe are they? 
the vaccines are extremely safe. They may even be safer than antibiotics, which, you know, up until recently, people didn't seem to have any issue taking or actually requested them. Of course, it could be side effects. You can have local side effects from the injection. In people whose immune system is weak and they get a live vaccine, they can actually get the disease because the live vaccine is attenuated, but it's, it's still live. And there have been things like Guillain-Barre syndrome. For an example, people have always associated the swine flu vaccine in the 70s with Guillain-Barre syndrome, a neurologic disease. But the data shows that there are many, many more cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome following natural influenza than following the vaccine. I think the whole thing really came to a head with the concept of diagnosis of autism in relation to vaccines, which really took hold in the 60s and the 70s for children. I personally think it's just that we got better at diagnosing autism, and it wasn't necessarily related to the vaccines. And the article that came out in the journal Lancet several years ago stating that the measles vaccine, et cetera, stimulated or were the cause of autism has been refuted. And in essence, the author of that article created the material for his own purposes. It was incorrect. And that, that was hugely you know, detrimental to society. That article went viral. And people took it as an absolute truth from the get-go. We seem to hear about pockets where this absolute unscientific fear is taken over the logic of whether people are vaccinating. It's very frustrating because these, like I said before, are the major events in the infectious disease literature that have changed the scope of infections in the world. And people just seem to be skeptical of medicine, particularly when it's tied into big pharma, so to speak, people who are profiting from these things. And that's an issue. People want to believe uh, something that has no evidence base because it's just a cult in my mind. And it's easy. It's an easy explanation for a very complex subject. But actually, if I can follow my own thought, the subject is really not that complex because it really has helped the community have far fewer nasty diseases. Exactly. If you just look, for instance, take diseases that were, you know, we all know people who have had, you know, grandparents, etc. Polio. Nobody has seen a case of polio in this country for many, many decades where that was a major problem. There's a reason for that. The polio vaccine, which was originally not a live vaccine and then became a live vaccine, is greatly effective, excuse me, and people seem to still think that vaccines could be harmful. There's a great example. Who has seen a case of polio who's practicing medicine now? Nobody. I haven't. Right. No, I haven't either. I did have the, the pleasure when I was in medical school of meeting Albert Sabin. And the school brought him in and gave a couple lectures on immunology and infectious diseases. And just by happen chance, we were in the same elevator together. And so I got to shake his hand. I know it sounds like teenagers. No, that's, hand, but it was neat. It was neat. Exactly. It was an, an incredible thing. So if you could put on your hat and project, which I know is always dangerous and risky because we don't have hard data, but do you think we're going to see a very significant rise in measles, again, similar to the one that happened in the early 1990s? Do you think it's going to be controlled? Are you frightened by all this material that's going on right now? 
No, I'm not. I think it will come under control, and I think that people who just for some reason haven't been vaccinated but really don't have anything against getting vaccinated will now go out and get vaccinated. I, I had two calls this week from physicians who asked me, do I think they need a vaccine? They weren't sure if they were immune, and I told them how we can find out. because so They were born in that cusp area around 1957, but I still believe that most people will do the right thing. I think it's really very important for primary care doctors, physician, pediatrician, obstetrician, anywhere you have the opportunity to talk about somebody's vaccine history and make sure they're updated. It's the most important thing in public health is vaccination right now and sanitation. I worked with an organization that looked at some of the major infectious disease issues in the 1800s in London. And just to echo what you said, once they got clean water coming in, the number of multitude of diseases dropped enormously. Vaccinations and sanitations have been gifts to our communities. Larry Bush is an infectious disease specialist here in Palm Beach County, and he has been very kind this morning to spend some time with us to look at the recent issues regarding measles, vaccinations, and where we should go and how we should understand it. Dr. Bush, thank you so much for being with us. Oh, sure. Thank you for asking me.